Hey everyone, it's Posty Posterson, and I'm back with another Super Deluxe Special Edition episode. These episodes are a little different than the regular show. I take a recent story and I add some music or some sound design underneath Scooter's voice. These are just a little bonus thing that Scooter and I make as a way to say thank you for supporting the show as a patron. So, thank you. Tonight's Super Deluxe idea came to me when I was doing some C-H-O-R-E-S's the other day. I was organizing stuff and making a um, bunch of phone calls. And a lot of these phone calls required that I wait on hold for a long time. And I'm generally a pretty relaxed guy, but the music that they play when you're on hold and the voice that keeps saying, we'll be right with you, but then no one picks up, and the voice keeps saying, we'll be right with you. You know, it's starting to get A-N-G-R-Y. So, tonight, we're going to see if we can reverse that phenomenon and make a call waiting line that's actually relaxing. A number you could call, intentionally set your phone down somewhere, and just sit back and relax for a while. A Sleep With Me podcast hotline with pretty background string music and a nice scooter story. So that's my idea. For tonight's Super Deluxe, we'll be making call waiting to nap to. Uh, you know, it, it's been a while since we 
went, like the last time it went into a, like other than in the intro, to a local, you know, hardware store in my imagination, uh, where the values may be true, or there may be aces, or maybe it's be, I guess it's interesting, I guess, I wonder if 99PI has done an episode about, uh, hardware stores, probably, or maybe another economics podcast, because you say, well, has, like, if, 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 I just, I guess I'm wondering if hardware stores always been affiliated also a good question internationally they're probably not called the hardware stores i wonder what they're called let me know wherever you are in the world what you call a store or shop you would go to to get like a like a uh, tools i guess you'd get you could get tools you could get uh whatever i don't know what are what are like nails and screws called because they're stuff you use tools on and usually it's very specific, and there's one specific feature. In the U.S., we still have what I would call local hardware stores. I think they're probably locally owned, but they're affiliated with broader organizations. Maybe they're franchises. And when you're little uh, and you go, you you know, you have an extra big cone of ignorance. Like to me, growing up in Syracuse, New York, that was the center of my world. I think the true, I think it was Bob's True Value was the closest, uh, was the first hardware store I became aware of, and I thought that they were all Bob's True Value. And, uh, but I don't think that's the, like, I don't think that was the case. Uh, though TJ's, oh no, it was Big Bull, it wasn't, here's a question I don't even know the answer to. So in Syracuse, and this is a really hard one. It's, so there used to be a store called Big Boys, right? I, I guess there's, and there's still some in Southern California, I believe. And it was kind of like a sit-down. Was it? It was like a, a bit of a diner. I think they specialized in burgers. I mean, to me, it was a fancy restaurant. And I'm, I mean, I've talked about it before. But the one in Syracuse was called TJ's Big Boys. But maybe TJ was the franchisee. I don't know. And both of these, I guess you could say, were era, like 80s era. Though the, the hardware stores still exist, at least like depending on where you live. There are big box hardware stores, and uh, like uh, those, I find exhausting. No offense, big box hardware stores. I mean, sometimes I go there, but uh, it's. Uh, you know, it's not, not, you're not easy to deal with uh, at all. Uh, but so, um, oh, let's talk about big boys for a second. Oh boy, let's talk about those big boys. <laughs> Definitely someplace called big boys. Uh, bowl, either one, you'd say, boy, that, that's problematic. I'd say, you're right. Uh, and it had a big smiling cartoonish statue out front holding a burger. And the reason I miss it is because uh, I think I've only eaten at the one, the one in Syracuse is long, 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 long gone. I don't know when it, it disappeared. It's surprising on the boulevard it was on that it was even there. But I guess in the pre, like when there was local malls, before a lot of times there was just a mega mall, which happened in Syracuse. And it put the mall, like the rest of the malls out of business. You probably would. Boulevard, okay. 
lot of definitions here coming up. This is an interesting episode. I guess this, I thought this was going to be a surreal episode, and maybe we'll get into some surreality. But for the time being, this is a, like we're grounded in some reality. An interesting like uh, crossover reality because okay, so should we talk about big look, let's talk about boulevards. Uh, now in Syracuse or streets, like when I say a boulevard, I don't mean a picturesque boulevard with like meat grass medians and like it's like a boulevard in the eighties and maybe the ni- in the nineties, yeah. Would mean uh, in, in the parlance of uh, in the United States would mean what, it, what is the least uh, pedestrian friendly thing other than a highway where you can't go as a pedestrian if it was on jeopardy it'd say uh, a place no pedestrian should ever go even though they're allowed to and don't even think about it if you're on a bike uh, and you'd say Alec what is a boulevard? Uh, and they say, correct, or like there's other ones, but I think boulevard is, uh, there were streets. Yeah, because one was Genesee Street, West Genesee Street. But then there was Erie Boulevard in Syracuse, E-R-I-E, and Onondaga Boulevard, uh, which was uh, the boulevard I lived closest to, but this isn't the I think, I don't know which boulevard I'm talking about. I think we're talking about Genesee Street in this case. But anyway, it's a, to me, it's all, it'll always be a boulevard. You're not just a street to me, Genesee Street. And it may be West Genesee Street. I don't know if it was west of, west of what. Uh, maybe, I don't know. But so, so that was like a boulevard or a street. It would be... Uh, it's not a highway. It may have a number, though, because I know those numbers and stuff mean stuff like, oh, well, we could make this into a highway if we needed to. I think that's what those mean. Like, oh, we could make this, the state or the federals could make this into a highway, but we probably won't. So, And it's like a state route, like back in the day. This would be before highways. I don't know if this is what Route 66 was. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, you'd say Route 66 is like it would be a lot of boulevards. We, you know, those of you that travel the highways and the byways, especially like these kind in my mind, uh, I guess this is like a little bit, this will be a little bit of a tour. Uh, I thought we were going to go to a hardware store and pull on the, uh, but I don't even know, I don't even know where Bob's true value is. But So now we're on a boulevard. What a boulevard means? It's multi-laned. Sometimes the lanes would be separated with a concrete thing. Though a lot of times, and it was a yellow double stripe, which means no passing. But you could pass, uh, and they'd be like two lanes, maybe three for right or left turns. And probably speed limit is a little bit higher, like 35. Probably definitely not 40, because there's a lot of lights. place where there's a lot of traffic not a lot of walking and so that is where Bob's or TJ's big boy was at the restaurant and so if we were gonna go there other things that were on there would be a karate studio was right by there that I went to the introductory class 
and my parents would like after the class and I think we might have gone as a group for like Cub Scouts and it was very intense uh, a little bit like uh, the level of intensity in uh, Napoleon Dynamite but I think you also had to uh, uh, like uh, it was just within my parents belief system it, it was it was uh, I think you were supposed to pray to the like American flag uh, in the um, in this dojo my parents weren't comfortable with that because uh, they said, well, we have a belief system. At least that's what they told me when they said, I said, come back, I'd like to learn. Uh, and they said, no. And then they said, well, remember how stuff worked out with gymnastics class and everything? And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm a gymnastics class dropout. So uh, there was probably like a photo studio. There's definitely like photo development across the street because across the street was uh, my first mall. Fairmount Fair Mall, which has appeared in multiple episodes, or what I can remember of it. So Bob's, TJ's Big Boy, I think it's called Bob's Big Boy in LA, because I remember calling there, because they would have, because back when I had a job selling fuzzy dice, they might have been one of my customers, because they would have big car nights, and that was one of the ways that they kept it. When I know I read articles about this, so I'll have to look it up they talk about why in Southern California Big Boys is still in business and popular. It's like, oh, because of the bad, and I'll definitely make a trek to one uh, when we can travel again, because when I'm recording this, it's not, not, not an option, but so, because they would have big car nights or whatever you call it, classic car nights, uh, or maybe one of my customers would go there and sell fuzzy dice. Yeah, that was one of my jobs as an adult, uh, not as a college student or a teen selling fuzzy dice and iron-on badges. So, like, a big boys, I always imagine, oh, I was talking about my first small fair, my fair was across the street, so maybe we'll talk about that, but, uh, so the, the restaurant big boy, TJ's big boys, TJ's big boy, you're right, uh, thank you, Brain. It was, so it was a sit-down restaurant where you had a, a waiter or waitress, so it was not a, I think maybe the kitchen was in the center of it. There was probably a salad bar, because oh boy, 80s and 90s were like, salad bars were the thing. I guess in my mind I'm picturing, so there was booths, and then there's probably counter seating on built-in stools. So this was something like a diner, like something you'd stop at on a roadside adventure, I guess. But to me, I guess we ate there, maybe ate there three or four times. I mean, I can remember the last time I ate there. I'm pretty sure that I ate there. It was definitely probably in middle school. And I could probably try to, actually, I could look up the date. So maybe I will, because uh, I ate there with my dad. It may have only been my dad and I, or maybe one or two of my other siblings. And I don't know the reason, I think it was a, I think it was like part of a emotional journey we had been on. And this was the, uh, the, the, um, the bringing back of the emotional journey, uh, which I guess I'll talk about. I feel like maybe I talked about this on the podcast before, but maybe not. And I guess a lot of this is on my mind just because I was watching this thing about video games on 
you'll see how it connects on uh, Netflix. Uh, but so, okay, so you'd go in there, and it was very, it had a very chrome, like a golden chrome, uh, loungy feel. The only place I've eaten in the last 20 years that we can compare is uh, Meal Villas, and that's a barbecue chain that I think is also slowly disappearing. It, had, it wasn't retro at the time. But like even 20 or 15 years ago when I ate at Emile Villas, I said, this is kind of retro. Um, but so, okay, so, you, so they specialized in burgers and they would make the burgers like how you, you wanted them. Like, see, oh, medium rare, well done. For a kid like me, you say, what do you mean? Uh, like, because uh, usually just eating a, a burger at McDonald's or Burger King and a Happy Meal. And their burgers were very familiar, like uh, very uh, unique, uh, and definitely contrast with uh, with fast food. And probably came with fries and lettuce and tomato and everything, which kids I probably didn't like. Uh, I also remember, so in when oh, so you said, well, I want it medium well. It would come with a wooden uh, sign in your bun that said medium well. And I mean, just just if you run a restaurant right now, like that has sit down, like these are the kind of things, uh, small touches, that could really earn you lifetime customers. I'm not kidding. Like when you're a kid, and then you, you say, "Can I? Do I get to keep this?" Like uh, I, I don't I don't know if I did or not, but uh, those are special things, those tactile things. So just a you know free. Uh, and usually because it was made of like some sort of wood, like balsa wood or something. Don't do it in plastic. Maybe a swizzle stick could be plastic, but just in case you're possible restaurateurs, uh, don't do anything else other than swizzle sticks and plastic, which is something that usually comes in adult drink to stir it. Or, you know, I don't know, you, you, sometimes you just underestimate kids who say, well, this is a swirly straw. Yeah, it's just a swirly straw you bought in bulk. Like, uh, give me something, you know what I'm saying? So other than the retro feel, and it, I remember the place always felt busy, and the, the burgers thing, the other, and then everything came on plates and you know, silverware. I mean, for a, a kid, child in a family of six, these, this is a major, like, uh, at a place like this. I mean, I can't even imagine if we all of us ate there. One, I don't know if they'd have a place to put us all at one table. Two, I don't know. I mean, I guess my parents would order for us because I can't imagine if we, like, because uh, you've all been to, even with someone with a few kids, if uh, you go somewhere and everybody's ordering, even with adults, you say, holy mackerel, that'll take a day or two to get the orders and then get the orders correct. Uh, I don't think we all ever ate there as a family, though we may have, or we may have ate, e eaten there as, in a group. Uh, what was the other thing I remember, though? Oh, the smell. So the burger and the restaurant had a very distinct smell. Like, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about some sort of smell. It was neither good or bad. I mean, I guess it was a, a shading towards good, but it was unique. Uh, and I always associated with that. So that's one of the most forlorn feelings, believe it or not, of not, not existing as 
not being able to go there to confirm the smell or, and the smell was aligned with the food. And again, it wasn't an off smell. It was a unique smell in the burger was what was generating the smell. Uh, and it was distinct. I guess that's not unique because unique can say, well, unique still doesn't say, well, is it distinct? Uh, and I, I, this is just my memory. So this could be, and maybe it was because looking at the plastic big boy. But uh, the, I remember the bun, like it was very uniform, but not in a um, fast food uniformness. And I think their bun was a bit denser. Uh, than a light fluffy bun and their burger was also it was a, a thicker burger we're talking about you know an inch I guess uh, like a like a, a, a you know the, the top half of your thumb you know from your bend to your thumb that's how thick the burger was I think but it wasn't a I don't know it wasn't dense like you know what I mean I don't know if, you, if you've had it before you see yeah it had a density to it not like uh, thick, but, you know, when, when you're hand carving, crafting patties, you can make them, like some places have it where it's like very, I don't know, those are just things I remember about it. I'm pretty sure the fries were steak fries. Uh, so the last time I remember eating there was when I was eating there with my dad. I think this aligns with another episode I did recently, so maybe I'm just going through something in my subconscious, uh, but I'm pretty sure this was a time when my family was grappling with some family stuff, and I was probably acting out as, maybe as a result of that, or just being myself, which involved a lot of acting out, and not, things not going well in school, and this dinner and what we did after dinner was a part of my, and maybe it was also me using the circumstances to my advantage, because it's always hard to tell with kids, like, uh, children learn very on how to influence their parents' behavior, which could be considered manipulative at times, uh, or it could be Darwinian, where you say, okay, I'm going to take this situation and I'm going to use it to my advantage to get the most I can out of it. Uh, but so it was, it was, uh, it was, I remember eating dinner and I, I don't really remember much about it other than like, holy cow, we're eating it. But the part of the reason why we were there was because a couple doors down, now this was on a boulevard, so it wasn't like you could walk, nothing was walkable, even though it was like three driveways down, you had to drive. And I wish, it, now it's interesting that I remember so many details, but I don't remember the name of this place. But there was a place, and again, this was a pre-big box era. So this was a place, it was a, before, before even big box places that went out of business, like Barnes & Noble, this was way before that. And this place, I'm pretty sure it was, and, and again, this was at the beginning of the computer gaming era. So there wasn't like Game GameStop or even Best Buy, and so what, or even like Office, you know, Office the, the Maximum or whatever. And so if you wanted to get computer games, yeah, there might be a computer game store at the mall or something. But again, on the boulevard. So this place, it was. A, I'm pretty sure it was a bookstore and it sold c computer stuff. Uh, Maybe not computers themselves. 
And I'm pretty sure it was a corporate place. Like, I don't know what chain it was. It wasn't, Wal I don't think it was Walden Books because they were more mall-based. So I have no idea what it's called. I'll have to, I'll have to try to look into it, but uh, what was my point? So, oh, so we had gone there. So this was like, uh, in the, I was in the age range where I had, my dad likes to read, so he, so I, like, uh, I think I had convinced him to go there, but really I wanted to go there to see if they had a couple of games in stock. Uh, and uh, there was like uh, there was a couple of games, and I think like uh, we, this was a, I talked about this a long time ago, but like we had uh, we we had gone through a few different computers, and maybe this was when we had moved on to a new computer. But the computers in my life, the personal computers, we started off with the TI-99 4A, which was a Texas Instruments computer. And that was a very long time ago, but it could play games and cartridges. Then we moved on uh, to whatever the first version of a PC Cologne was. I don't think those were 1086s, but I don't remember the first. Uh, I mean, not for us, it was the first generation. Uh, so they were called PC Clones because uh, you didn't have to buy one from IBM, which was a creator of... Uh, the DOS, because you could just put on DOS. I think it was always MS-DOS, or I guess a DOS-based computer. And we had got one, uh, and you, you could build these, which you can still do today. I, I don't know, my dad, I think uh, Rick was the one who built our computer, uh, uh, who was someone I worked with, uh, who my dad worked with too. But so we had this one, it had a, a graphics adapter called a CGA graphics adapter, which was not very powerful. It could only display like four colors at a time, which were usually, you had to choose when you're made, like, a, I don't know if you could choose in the settings, but like if you were playing a game, it would either be light blue, like a pink, and then black and white, is that right? Or green, yellow. I don't know, when it was green or yellow, I can picture like a red in there too. And no, I don't think you'd, there was no shading or anything. So I don't know, I've talked about it before and then I like I never remember. So uh, it was low powered and then it had like, a, like I don't even think it was an eight bit, like so it's uh, sound card was just like uh, very basic. And we were like a little bit, like usually, and just like me today, we were not early adopters. You know, we had six kids in the house. So this was like the, the previous generation normally is where we would get in on the technology. So at the time, the competing technology was called EGA, which stood for Enhanced Graphics Adapter. And then after that was something called VGA, which was Video Graphics Adapter, I think. Uh, and like the EGA, I think had could display 16 colors, uh, which was a lot compared to four. And then the VGA was like, I think, I think 256 colors. And the same thing went for sound cards. Like uh, we had like whatever, eight bit or four bit sound cards. So it just made, just like the, you'd hear, like, a, like one step down from eight bit music 
But in some sense, uh, there was something uh, like uh, the sound card was like is not as distracting because you still, I don't know, I think the programmers were able to be a little bit more creative or they had a little bit more space. and uh, like a lot of times you just needed that one channel or two channels to create a, if you weren't trying to, because you weren't trying to create reality. At the time the games were just not uh, reality based games. So at the time I more had FOMO for the visuals versus the audio. And the reason I had FOMO uh, was I got introduced to one of my friends, Charlie. He had a, a, a Yes, an Apple computer, an Apple II GS. I think he also had an Apple II something else. Uh, but the Apple II GS at the time was like absolutely groundbreaking. Like it was more powerful than even a VGA PC as far as if you wanted to play games or do creative things. Uh, like it had like, it, it could display so many colors and it had whatever, I think they called it some, something number voice was how you rated the sound card at the time, so it was like, a, like you could do, uh, you could do like an orchestra, and it had like a early uh, game where you could buy, you know, painting programs, and uh, like, I remember my friend Charlie, he was making music at the time on there, so early d- digital audio workstations, uh, but we're really excelled for middle school was video, like playing games, computer games, which are different than video games, just a little bit more complex, a, little bit, a lot of times less communal, and larger world, larger in scope, uh, and more story-based. Uh, so video, like Nintendo and stuff had its own appeal. Okay, so this store, we, we, we were going to, so I guess for me, especially because I was with like uh, six kids uh, and I had had jobs on and off. I guess I would have probably still had my paper in seventh grade. Uh, but so I still had some kind of income. And then by freshman, and then I got it. Like this was back when I remember working at a grocery store. You could get a job like 14 or 15. So I talked about that. That job did not last very long. I guess that was uh, when I was a freshman in high school. But anyway, so where was I? Okay, oh, so the store, whatever it was called, it sold computer games. And there was like, it was just weird that it was hard. You couldn't go online to buy computer games. And really, like, unless you bought computer mag- game magazines, like, you really didn't know about stuff. Like, the way to market it was much different. So much of it was word of mouth. So I, and my friend Charlie, he got like a couple like computer magazines or stuff. There was even one that had like the walkthroughs and stuff like that. But so he knew a lot about it. He taught me a lot about uh, computer games. In uh, one of the great companies, there was two great companies, or maybe three at the time. Or four. Well, we get into the most important one is Roberta Williams at Sierra Online. And I've talked about her before, and she was just on this documentary. It, was, it wasn't, I would have liked to have more Roberta Williams personally, because she's one of my heroines. But uh, 
it was pretty cool to watch her because they did show her working on story for, you know, her remembering working on the story for one of her first games. But so she made these games, and two of the more popular games she made were called uh, King's Quest and Space Quest. Uh, and they had spawned all these sequels, and they would come out for PC and Apple. And I think at the time you probably had to put out a Mac version and an Apple IIgs version. And then on the PC it had to be able to scale Ideally, at least initially, for CGA, EGA, maybe VGA. Though, if you're using the performance of the VGA, you're usually probably using too much memory for CGA to work. But so, she did have games that would work on. I remember I bought one, a couple, one or two games that didn't, like our computer couldn't handle. And maybe I returned those. But at some point, and I don't think it was with this trip, like I had read, so I started researching, I think maybe at the library, they had computer magazines, or maybe I bought a couple. And there was this game based on the movie Willow, because there was like, the desire was, oh, can we get these games to have some sort of a cinematic feel? And there was even a gaming company called, I don't know if they're called Cinemagic, but they had a couple uh, games, they had a Three Stooges game, they had a, a Chicago, uh, like, Untouchables-style game, and then they had, a, a, like, a medieval game. Uh, none of which, of course, I can remember, like, uh, what they're called. Uh, but they were all very cinematic. Uh, and especially on the 2GS, they really used the graphics cards. But this, so, but this company did not make this game about the movie, based on the movie Willow. But I read that it could, you could get it working on our computer, or maybe this was when they, we had changed computers or changed graphics cards. Uh, I think I kept asking for a graphics card for, for Christmas, but eventually we just ended up getting a new computer. Because, you know, even like back then, the, the computer said, well, no, it doesn't work. You know, it only works for a couple of years, or the, the hardware changes. But I think we did get a graphics card, and then maybe the like, uh, and I was very stubborn. I said, "Well, I'll just just give me the card, and I'll figure the rest out." But so, and why I really wanted, like, you know, when you really want something, you, like, uh, you desire it, uh, and you think it's gonna, you could feel yourself. Uh, this was how I was with this Willow game, and it was a popular game. I thought so, and I remember being like. Uh, because like, whatever the journey, emotional journey my father and I had been on, the compact, the healing compact we had agreed on was like, or it was like, we'll go out to dinner and we'll discuss this. Uh, my, there was a lot on my father's shoulders at the time, so it was like, okay, we'll deal with this, and then we'll go get to this bookstore and look for your computer game. Or maybe it was like, well, how can we make this feel better? I said, well, I just want to go get this computer game. And maybe even at the time I was like, I have the money to pay for it. Uh, but so we went there, and of course they didn't have the game. Uh, oh boy. So I said, oh no. And uh, uh, like, uh, like, and then I remember being like kind of dismayed because uh, maybe they even had it in Mac, so I like even had to, to look at the box where they only had the like. 
But I was like, sure, this was a game for me, that this was going to change everything. And there were, I think I even asked where my dad asked, because I can picture the layout of the store even. Uh, like when you walk in, uh, you know, it had a big front window, and the door was on the left, very typical, you know, outdoor, like a walk in the store, glass door with the bell. So this was a larger store, and then... Like, right when you walk in, there was displays, and I think the front of the store was the computer stuff, and then the back of the store was the books and the other stuff. And I think my dad and I separated, and I was, like, looking. But I also, and I don't know if it was this trip, uh, but I think it was that I got the first version. So Cedar Online also had a new game called Community Resource uh, uh, Person like uh, trying to solve a mystery and so I did get that game and that game was like it really uh, was able to make the most so I never got the Willow game or if I did it, it said it was going to work on our computer and it wouldn't but I'm pretty sure I just never got it but like uh, and I, I think I felt like I kind of settled I said well I'll get this game or maybe it was just another time that I got that game the community resource investigator game solving stuff, uh, and I got that game, and, uh, it was, a, my mind was blown, uh, it was able to make the most of, uh, like, whoever programmed that game for CGA, like, a basic PC clone, uh, had really outdone themselves, because the, uh, even though it was, like, just a basic beep, 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 to deep beep, it, like, they were able to have a beat, uh, even though there was four graphics, it was able to present uh, an experience that felt uh, immersive. I mean, in, in a way at the time that made me like that made me forget about everything else. And this was different because I talked about video games and me. Like, uh, and this is like I guess that episode is kind of like an emotional intensity episode. This is more of the flourishing and the positivity of computer games, like gave me this world to explore and like challenges to solve uh, and I think probably there were times I was obsessing over it but it wasn't like when I played Nintendo or something where it was like uh, it was a different kind like those are like very visceral um, almost like uh, animal level experiences playing those games a lot of times for me and I like I struggled with addiction and stuff, and, and, and computer games can be like that too. In this game, I definitely spent a lot of time in it, and a lot of time like trying to solve the different challenges and obstacles and puzzles, because it was like uh, you're trying to solve a mystery kind of thing, and uh, it was very rule-based and stuff like that. So I remember being like, holy moly, and I don't know if this was the first game in the series or the second game in the series, I'd have to look that up too, but just remember being, my mind being blown, and maybe again, yeah, it was, I was a late adopter, because not that long, I mean, maybe it was a long time after that, the sequel, or the, or the third one came out, and uh, again, I had the money to pay for and there was different things going on at my house and uh, whoever was helping take care of us uh, and staying
staying with us. And I remember telling her, like, uh, I got to go to the store. I need you to drive me to the store so I can get this computer game. And she was a babysitter, right? So she was, like, torn. She was like, well, uh, I don't know if that's, like, uh, your parents. And I said, well, I have the money to pay for it. Uh, and I, again, there was this deep desire, in some sense, a craving. But it was also, like, summer... And uh, I was like, I could really, like, uh, get lost in this game, like, uh, and have, it would be really fun for me. And again, I was probably immature, so I was probably older than you're thinking. But, but my, I, I mean, I, I am just not a mature person. And I remember her being unsure about it. And I said, well, you could ask, I mean, maybe I said, well, I asked my parents. But uh, it was just because the game had just come out or something. And I don't know if I called the store but I can remember that one because I remember, uh, like, you know, that feeling when you have something, I don't know, like, uh, brand new that you're looking forward to, especially as a kid, but as an adult too. And you're like, I can't wait to get home. And I, so I remember all the buildup, like, uh, it was almost like a challenge getting the game, but I had the money. And I'm sure at the time, maybe games cost $20, maybe they cost $40, I don't know. But it was like uh, an investment. Uh, and then I was like, please let it work on the computer. Like, please don't. Because again, like with the different configurations. Uh, but I think I had research and I'm like, no, no, this is supposed to work on a CGA, like lower, like whatever we have. And it did again. And again, it was like, uh, or maybe I'm like, mashing up these memories but it was like uh, it was an improvement on the on the other version i don't remember the story or anything but i just remember all the stuff you had to do and then it, i think it did change like uh, sometimes it was like a third person perspective and sometimes it was like a pov first person and that that was new like i think in the previous game it was always like a third person or like a not even a third-person perspective, like you're seeing it, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like uh, you're seeing it at a distance and you're moving the character around on the screen. And it was side view, like, uh, versus this was POV. And it would switch between the two, and then it had, like, uh, cut scenes, just like games today do. Though they weren't movie cutscenes, they'd be, like, uh, more detailed pictures or something. And I'm pretty sure, and maybe this was the game, that it was like, they even figured out a way to synthesize, like, a voice through, like, a one, like, one, I don't know, like, a, like, walkie-talkie voice or something, where I was like, I cannot believe they're doing this. So, or maybe, but there was also, I can also remember playing one of the King's Quest games, uh, and then getting that sequel, and that was where it wouldn't work with our computer. So that was like, uh, so that was something. I don't know. So that those are two things. I think across so across this boulevard. I'm trying to think what else was on this boulevard. Uh, a place where you go uh, when people like a home, like a home uh, when people go uh, to this place in the sky. Then there was an ice cream place, soft serve. One of my friends owned it for a while as an adult, uh, Marnie, but uh, doesn't own it anymore. 
across the street in one direction was the Pizza Hut we would go to as kids uh, when it was a big deal. One of the two Pizza Huts uh, for a sit-down, big family meal, like special occasion. It was also a church uh, that we, we, it was a Catholic church uh, that was really well known for having a late mass on Sundays. Uh, so that was like, as your kids got older, you might have to go to that. Uh, it was like 4 or 5 p.m. on Sundays. And then as you got older, like maybe you would try to go there because uh, it was more like if you had a crush on somebody that might be there, you'd be like, well, at least uh, there's a higher priority of them being there. Um, and then, yeah, the, oh, the mini golf place that I talked about in mini golf and me or mini golf memories was down there. And then Fairmount Fair Mall, which has been a long time since I talked about that. So I'll talk about that a little with our last few minutes here. And then I'm sorry, uh, Bob's True Value. You know, maybe we'll visit you again. So Fairmount Fair Mall. Uh, let's see, what could we have time to talk about? So this was a mall that was there when I was, like, like, like it wasn't a new mall. So whenever I became sent mall sentient, uh, which uh, would have been, you know, you would have gone there to get, and we didn't really get our clothes at the mall. Uh, so I'm trying to think of the first time I would have gone to, I guess you'd go there for like, oh yeah, you'd definitely go there for like walking around in the holidays because that's when they had audio animatronics and a lot of cotton that was supposed to look like snow. And you could go there. Oh, also my dad, when he was a smoker, like our pipe smoker, this is how different the world was. They would have a pipe shop. Uh, and sometimes they would either give away or sell really cheap to get kids early. You wouldn't get any tobacco, but they would sell corncob pipes. Uh, so I remember going a couple times and me and my brother getting corncob pipes. And this was the 80s mall, so you're talking, I, I'm assuming there was an Orange Julius, there was definitely an arcade. Maybe we got to go to the arcade when we were little, but I, like, I don't remember going there too much until I was in middle school. There was the anchor store, like the anchor tenants, which would have been probably Sears and JCPenney and maybe one, other, one or two other companies uh, that I'm forgetting. But yeah, the things I remember most about this mall were one, the, the holiday decorations, because uh, uh, they were quaint, but in a cool way. Like they like had like where you see like, oh, the pretend, that thing's pretending to saw uh, uh, something. Like they would have a Santa's workshop type stuff. Uh, oh, they're pretending to, you know, that Santa's pretending to wave. Very basic animatronic, not animatronic figures, but like one motion figures. Uh, also, like in Syracuse, now this was a one level mall. It did have some ups and downs, which I talked about in like an early mall walking episode. So it wasn't all on, it was only one floor. It wasn't level though, which I think was either brilliant or just how they had to design it where they built it, but it gave it some variety and also probably prevented it because it was just one long thing from being one long thing. And then down the middle, it had a trough on and off with like water, then there'd be a fountain with like tons of skylights. Uh, what else? And then a, a very a big memory of mine 
was one time my dad volunteered there. Let's see, this. how do I term this? Uh, my dad had a volunteer shift uh, uh, for the March of Dimes, and they did a fundraiser every uh, October. Uh, and this was like a store that had gone this year. This was only year. Oh, no, we went to it a couple other times at different places. But this was, this particular year, one of the anchor tenants at this mall had left, probably because this mall was slowly in the decline because then they had built a new mall, like literally like a, a half a mile away. So this mall would see this slow decline, but or maybe it was a mile away, but it wasn't that far. And then that mall would see a decline, but those were the malls of my youth. Maybe I'll do another episode about this more. Um, Scoots, you really, uh, say, yeah, you know, we got to do this. But so, yeah, I guess this could be a series, the malls of my youth. I, I mean, I like to talk about malls. I've talked about them before. Why am I debating myself about this? But so this one memory I'll finish with. Uh, and, you know, I was like a stubborn kid. Now, this was probably like, a, this was in grammar school, but maybe I was in sixth grade, and my brother Carl would have been in fourth grade, and it was just the two of us. So we'll say that maybe I was in fifth grade and he was in third grade. Uh, but my dad was volunteering at this thing they did in October to raise money for the March of Dimes, where you were... Uh, led through a house of surprise and fun uh, themed around the Halloween season, if you catch my drift. And my dad was the vol- volunteer for the, that day's shift, uh, which I presume would be like six hours. I mean, it felt like we were there for like eight hours. Uh, and at first I kind of felt like uh, whatever the arrangement was, my mom was like, you're taking those two kids with you, or my dad was like, why don't you come with me, it'll be fun, and I was like, I want to watch cartoons or whatever, and so first thing, me and my brother were ornery, and then it kind of felt cool, because my, like, it was just such a different thing, my dad was like selling tickets, and people were coming, and we had seen inside before it got started, but I was like, I'm not a brave person. So I was like, well, I don't want to be uh, in a seasonal display of surprise and fun. I don't find that fun. And the, the people that were dressing up uh, as character actors uh, for this uh, seasonal display of surprise and fun were coming, and they were being kind. They weren't trying to make us not into it. And they were like, oh, you should come in it. And it was a very cool in the sense that you had a tour guide. So not only was there, and I'm assuming these were teens that were volunteering, but maybe they were just community members supporting this organization. Uh, but so they, uh, you'd get led through it. And it was through a store that we had been to. So I don't know which store it had closed, but that was another cool thing was like, uh, I know I've been in, I was at this store before I went out of business. Uh, but so it finally, like, they kept being like, come on. And I was like, no, I can't handle it. And I think my dad was like, well, I'll go with you on my break. And I was like, no. And I had to wait. And this wasn't the only time my younger brother had more courage than me and had to lead the way, which he's probably done a lot of times in his life. So thank you, Carl. Daniel and Julie, if you're listening, hello. But so Carl went, and he either went by himself or with my dad through this uh, display. Usually this is the older brother's role, I think, but not in my case, because that was just like the same thing with roller coasters. I would have to wait for Carl to go on it first. 
but he went through the display and then came back uh, and uh, and then I said, oh wow, you made it through. He goes, yeah, it's so cool. You got to come with me. And then we must have gone through this thing with every single group. So we probably were annoying. But I, I can remember, uh, it was again like being, just, like uh, I remember just like thinking about the story that the guide was telling us and the sound effects and being impressed. Like I said, I think some of the stuff is like even uh, set up to the sound effects because there was like the chimes when it turned midnight and that's when like a bunch of action would happen. And then there was a couple other displays you went and looked at. It wasn't anything like these modern places of seasonal surprise. Uh, not that level of intensity, but somewhere enough that it, I think it was more geared towards, I mean, I'm sure adults and kids went, but it wasn't just for kids. Like, it wasn't toned down to that degree. Because it was made to make money for, for, the, for the organization. And I just remember, it's like definitely a treasure memory of mine, that it could have meant something that it was resistant and afraid of. So I don't know if there's a takeaway there. I have a younger brother that's braver than you is one takeaway, and appreciate that. But also, uh, it was just cool, because we went through it so many times that we were like picking out more and more details, like with Ray and the theme parks of like, wow, look at that. Or, oh, or maybe we were starting to sneak off or walk slower. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, now I remember these pillars. You know, it's stores like in the mall like that. Uh, and this was more of an anchor store. So it was like a, and these old malls, they were like one story. But the anchor stores were sometimes two stories where they had high ceilings because they were like a story and a half. And so they'd have these big pillars and some of the pillars would have mirrors on them and stuff. Uh, so... I don't know, and then, you know, I remember just, like, actually, like, uh, being with my brother as the, the characters were, like, playing with us, where uh, then they realized we were a game, so then they were trying to surprise us. Uh, it's a really great memory of, uh, so I guess that's, like, one of the boulevards in my life that's really a street, so thank you, Genesee Street. Uh, you've been here for so many episodes.